Sam Bankman-Fried has now pled not guilty to his eight fraud-related charges. These run the gamut of securities fraud, through to wire fraud, through to money laundering, through to campaign finance violations. If convicted, he faces over 100 years in prison. Now, it's not entirely clear how he thinks he's going to beat these charges. After all, the situation looks really quite dire. Caroline Ellison already pled guilty to seven fraud-related charges, and these cover similar misconduct to what SBF is accused of. She's agreed to testify against Sam Bankman-Fried, and her initial testimony has already been quite damaging. Furthermore, Gary Wang has pled guilty to four fraud-related charges, and these cover some of the misconduct that SBF is accused of, and he too has agreed to testify against Sam Bankman-Fried. At this hearing, the court also made another couple of findings. First, the court agreed to keep private the names of the people who had supported Sam Bankman-Fried's bail. This is because they might otherwise face threats or pressure or outside interests. And as a result, the court agreed to keep their names private. This is relatively understandable because the court hardly wants outside third parties to be subject to threats. Second, the court made SBF's bail conditions even more restrictive. The court has now prohibited SBF from interacting with or dealing with FTX or Alameda-associated wallets or funds. It's not clear exactly why this was not already the case, but the court has brought this condition in. The immediate catalyst appears to be reports of suspicious transactions involving Alameda wallets. Reportedly, money had gone from Alameda wallets into SBF-linked wallets, and then that money had been cashed out. This obviously is a little bit of a red flag, and the court has moved to prevent the situation getting even worse. And if indeed SBF is behind these transfers, it will look incredibly bad for him at sentencing. Now at this time, we don't know exactly what SBF's defences are. But we can speculate and we can think about what he might try to run to get out of these charges. SBF might try to argue that because FTX.com is in the Bahamas, the US does not have jurisdiction over any alleged wrongdoing. This defence, however, is likely to fail quite miserably if he were to raise it. First, FTX.com and FTX.US, which is the US arm of FTX, were reportedly quite intermingled, at least according to reports from John J. Ray III. Second, many US-based individuals were reportedly on FTX.com anyway. Third, Alameda Research is a Delaware-based company, so any misconduct with respect to it would have that jurisdictional issue applying to it. Third, many of the investors and lenders were based in the United States anyway. For example, Sequoia was an investor, and it is based in the United States. And same with BlackRock and many of the other investors. So therefore, the jurisdictional argument wouldn't apply to them regardless. Then the campaign finance violations... Will they relate to US-based individuals and US-based politicians? So a whole lot of the misconduct would relevantly be within the United States. Even if there were a jurisdictional argument, it would only apply to a small subset of any of the alleged wrongdoing. So this would not be a universal help to Sam Bankman-Fried. It would only help maybe at the margins and maybe with respect of sentencing. Sam Bankman-Fried might also try to argue that he was a useful idiot or a pawn and that Caroline Ellison and Gary Wang, or some other nefarious individual, were the real wrongdoers in this situation. This argument, however, is likely to fail miserably, because it rests on the assumption that he was completely out of the know of anything going on here, and that simply doesn't seem to be plausible. He might try to argue that perhaps Caroline Ellison was working with Gary Wang to funnel money from FTX into Alameda in order to cover up the bad losses at Alameda Research. However, Sam Bankman-Fried appeared to know what was going on here. He appeared to know that Alameda Research was doing incredibly badly. He appeared to know the money was going from FTX 
into Alameda Research, potentially in the form of loans that should never have happened, and therefore he would clearly know what wrongdoing was going on. Furthermore, if Alameda Research was in fact lending up money to the executives of FTX, one of whom is Sam Bankman-Fried, well presumably he would also know about this as well. It is simply implausible that he wouldn't know about the wrongdoing. He would be the one with oversight at FTX. After all, he is the CEO, as not clear that Gary Wang would have been acting ultra vires or doing something without SBF's knowledge, given that SBF was A, the CEO of FTX, and B, the 90% shareholder in Alameda Research, and C, he appeared to actually know perfectly well what was going on here. It's not clear at all that anyone was acting without SBF's knowledge. Therefore, his argument is likely to fail miserably. Nevertheless, he might try to put that one up as a defense. Sam Bankman-Fried might also try to argue that the alleged misconduct was simply not illegal. Now much of this will turn on the facts adduced at court, and it will vary between the charges. But for example, if we look at the investors, we can see how we might try to argue this. He might try to argue that these investors didn't do due diligence, and they didn't ask him any questions. Therefore, he didn't lie to them, therefore there is no relevant fraud. The prosecution would likely retort that he made myriad public statements about FTX's risk management, about what they did with client funds, and those public statements were relevantly misleading, and misleading enough to give rise to these charges. So we can see how the argument might run. He might also try to argue that he never misused customers' funds, because those customers knew that they were going to be subject to their funds being lent out. And or he might try to argue that he never misused customers' funds, he only lent out the funds in the margin trading pool, and the other customers just happened to get caught up in the stampede when everyone was trying to withdraw their funds. Now we can argue that that is still commingling of assets. We can argue that it's still a violation of their terms of service. However, that is likely how Sam Bankman-Fried's argument might run here, if he were to argue that the misconduct was not actually illegal. Again, I think he will face problems with this argument, but it's certainly one that he'd probably be trying to run if he's actually going to be pleading not guilty and maintain that not guilty plea. Sam Bankman-Fried might also just be deluded. He might think that he did nothing wrong. He might have started buying his own BS. He might have been drinking the effective altruism Kool-Aid. It might be that he never really faced any repercussions at all in his life, and therefore he thinks he is going to beat these charges, even if it looks like conviction is inevitable. He might simply not realize the gravity of this situation. So it could well be that he doesn't have a good defense. He's just so deluded at this point that he thinks he's going to win, which again is a little bit odd when you look at the guilty pleas that other people, Caroline Ellison and Gary Wang, had entered. Sam Bankman-Fried might also just have decided to take a gamble. The evidence looks quite strong against him. Caroline Ellison and Gary Wang have already pled guilty and agreed to testify. The defences look quite weak. If he is convicted after having pled not guilty, he faces a slightly longer jail term. That's because pleading guilty shows contrition and remorse, and it also saves the court time and money, so you would ordinarily get a sentencing discount. However, if he is facing an incredibly long time behind bars, what difference does it make if it's 80 years or 100 years? The incremental difference is really not that large here. Furthermore, he might just have decided to roll the dice, hope for the best, see if he can avoid prison. He might not, and he probably knows that he probably won't, but it'd be better to try now if he's going to be spending the rest of his life behind bars in any case. Furthermore, by pleading not guilty, he's still going to be out from behind bars for quite some time. He has several months out in freedom. He might spend these several months enjoying himself before he goes to jail. 
and he might regard this as a better option than simply going to jail right now for the rest of his life. And this could also be what's driving him to enter these not guilty pleas. Regardless, if you've got any thoughts about Sam Bankman-Fried's logic, about whether he has any chance at all at court, about what his defences might be, or about whether he has any prospect of raising any form of plausible defence, let me know that in the comments below. I'd be interested to hear what you think about the likely outcome here. But I suspect he will ultimately be convicted, I suspect the jail term will be quite lengthy, and I suspect that he is just taking a bit of a gamble here, and this gamble might be laced with a little bit of delusion about his likely prospects at court. But like I said, let me know your thoughts in the comments below.